Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Our Father, who art in heaven. Seriously? What the actual fuck? Gilead doesn't care about children. Gilead cares about power. Why does healing have to be the only goal? Why can't we be as furious as we feel? For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Today we have another awesome interview for you. Today we have Lucas Neff, who plays Mr. Wheeler and is nothing like Mr. Wheeler, on to chat with us. We had so much fun in his interview, I totally forgot to intro it. So I am recording this separately and hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Hello. Hi. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. It's good to see you guys. You, you look different. <laughs> yeah, slightly, right? Yeah, I have a slightly different energy when I'm not uh, playing the creepy, creepy guy. <laughs> At least you know he's creepy. Yeah, Ava, the uh, first director I worked with, used to call me uh, from the editing, text me from the editing bay and be like, the editor just saw your scenes for the first time and just had a gut reaction of, ugh, what a creep. <laughs> Well, that's what you want with your character. And it's so. so impressive, though. So many years in, we've seen it all. But no, no, you brought something new and creepier. Yeah, well done, a sir. Level, a new level of slime to the show. Yes. I'm happy to, to bring that. Yeah. I was like, okay, good. Then I feel good about that. I'm like, yeah, mission you? accomplished, you know? Well, you were amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate yeah. that. It's a great show. So, it's, you know, you want to sort of stay on par with what everybody else is doing. You You elevated it with your cry like how did you figure out your voice I don't know I, I'm obviously not an actor but it the, the quiet creepiness of your voice was amazing oh thank you I I'll I'll cherish that <laughs> <laughs> your greatest um, compliment yeah the quiet uh repulsive quality to your voice really really elevated. um no you know I think um a lot of sort of finding these characters on these sort of prestige shows is guesswork because they don't everything is so secret and everything is so under wraps so mm -hmm. you know I watched a lot of the show and it was sort of like you know a lot of the show operates in silence and stillness and what's not being said and, right you know, I'm a firm believer that you know the most menacing threats are the ones that don't like scream at you say it yeah. yeah say that they're a threat you know that's always the the person who's mm -hmm. comfortable sounding nice is always the person you should really watch out for. <laughs> yes. You know, like cool. the, the snakiest kind of people. Um, so yeah, so I sort of I sort of built it out from from there and also being like, you know, you you listen there's sort of architectural things that help you sort of like figure out you're like, okay, we're in a creepy space, we're in a creepy house. Serena is like not sure what's happening, and there's like certain like musically there's like certain things that you think will like resonate more if you like certain choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I speak a little quieter and just, I'm like very simple and like You're creeping us out right now. Just scary, <laughs> you know? Like the fact, you know, like the fact that I was like, you know, she's pregnant and I'm like, who knows the last time he's seen like a pregnant yeah, woman, that's person, true. you know? And I was yeah. just like, oh, yeah, he'll just be like very quiet, but constantly just staring at her, you know, like just watching her belly and that's like gonna be really uncomfortable for everybody. It works. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and it was interesting because he's not he's not a Gilead guy. He's like outside of Gilead and understanding where his like, you know, I talked with the director about him sort of having maybe generational wealth of being this sort mm -hmm. of like having all the, having grown up with a lot of like power. So he doesn't yeah. need to, he doesn't need to exert it. Yeah. To understand that he has it in the same right. way. Mm -hmm. And I think he also wants to seem cool in his own way, like in his own fucked up, creepy head. He thinks this is like a <laughs> slick way of like meeting. I see. Uh, no, that all came across. Yeah. You don't get much um, from Bruce or anyone about your character before you start, do you? No, almost nothing. Uh, at least for me. I know that uh, Genevieve had talked to him a bit, but it was sort of the same boat where she was like also figuring out, you know, like a lot of it is just like okay how do i make a choice that leaves roads open right because yeah. you're not sure the writers you're not sure which way the writers are going to go and you're not sure like if they're trying to subvert some expectations or if they're trying to like set something up down the road you know there's a lot of intentionality behind what they're doing you know so you're like okay i just need to make sure that my choices seem certain and like character derived and like the character knows what's happening the character you know you have to have an idea but you don't want to preclude some sort of plot possibility accidentally. That's a lot. That's a lot yeah. of responsibility yeah. on your shoulders. It, it's a it's a weird age we live in with these these super secret serialized prestige dramas. Hmm. Where so you know the the plot is so important to protect, right? Yeah. Because that's like what's really exciting for the audience to experience and discover. And so there's so much energy put towards keeping everything under wraps and Secret, like yeah you know it's very like cia where you're like you know you only get so many i, I was doing this uh, i'm doing this other show right now and you only get sent this the pages of the script that you're in you oh. know handmaid, <laughs> is nice yeah handmaids is nice enough to send you the full script episode and you're like oh cool that's, that's interesting oh wow okay luke and shooter connecting sick cool <laughs> I don't feel great about this bowling alley, but you know, like I feel ominous. But what a nice moment, you know. Wow. I'm sure it's gonna end happily, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel usually like this, you know, this is they'll probably just finish the game. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, and so uh, you know, it, it was cool to sort of get to read the episodes. Like I, I wasn't expecting anything really. I was like, I don't know how to, how secretive this is gonna be. Um, and it is pretty secretive, but there's, yeah, this other show that I'm on right now is like, you get like 12 pages of a 60 page script and you're like, cool, I have no idea. It's like page three <laughs> and seven and 14 and 21, yeah. you have no idea. Oh yeah. man. You're like, okay, well scene 16 looks interesting <laughs> Yeah. about everything else, but yeah. You just, you learn the plot with everybody else when it airs, yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. The That's plot, crazy. Like, if you're lucky to, do, you know, if they're lucky enough to do table reads, you're like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh that's sad <laughs> you know like oh that's fucked up Ooh, is gonna react to that yeah for sure cool 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 do we get to know what it is or is that under wraps oh no it's not under wraps i'm doing um the show raising canaan it's like one of 50 cent shows do you try to aim for cool. mostly raising shows yeah this is my main thing is there should be a sense of rising happening no. it's a very yeasty sort of actor process. no dissension you know I mean? yeah all my yeah my career has a very bread very niche actually. yeah very it's extremely niche extremely niche uh but yeah so i'm I'm playing like a like a dirtbag new york hustler guy from the 90s which nice. is cool. i have this fun mustache right yeah now. that oh. works for it yeah yeah, yeah. But i noticed that you uh 
when I was stalking you. Well, I wasn't stalking you. I was Googling you for this interview. You are hard to uh, stalk, sir. Yeah, you are. You're extremely hard to stalk. It's it's very, yeah. yeah. I'm, I have a, a ghostly internet presence. You have a wiki page, but I think it's yeah. fairly out of date. So yeah. you might have yeah. your minions update that. I'll let the minions know. Yeah. <laughs> You've had many different hairstyles, I've noticed. Oh, And yeah. today you're sporting a new one. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've never... got to say, I like the long, luscious hair. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> What's luscious. your favorite? What's your favorite look? Uh, you know, I really enjoyed having the shaved head for a second because it was just so easy. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you're always I imagine. Ready to go. Yeah. I yeah. mean, people do tend to notice how large your ears are with the shape. Mm. Like, wow. How could they not? What kind of reception you get on those, man. That's Wasn't cool. it cold or was it summer? Uh, I was out in LA, so it was like pretty nice all oh, the time. There you go. Um, but I was shooting on a, if it was funny, I was like, LA was great, but I was, I was shooting on a, the CBS Radford lot and all the studio lots are just like uh, kept at a sub-zero Arctic temperatures. <laughs> yeah inside was a different story but outside the shaved head was pretty nice i mean you know you got a sunscreen up on a, a pale noggin like mine. yeah true yeah. but no yeah i like that one that the long hair was fun it was fun it was it got pretty pretty lengthy and was, was that your choice or yeah it was my i mean most of my hairstyles honestly are my choice like uh usually I, it's like whatever i'm feeling or whoever i'm seeing and they're like i'd like to see you in long hair and i'm like i like you so let's do it <laughs> <laughs> I would like to shout out my brother-in-law, Mark, right now, because you are Mark as far as that goes. Every single time I've ever seen him, it is completely different, and I don't know how he does it. Like, how are there that many combos for a guy to look different? Well yeah, done, both it's, of you. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's interesting. I feel like whichever way I cut my hair, I kind of have a completely different energy and sort of like... Oh, my God, it's so him. You guys have hit it off. Mark's not a good guy. Bond over hair <laughs> I like what I'm hearing. What's his hair like now? Does he have a... Uh, I think he's rocking a mustache and uh, it's a little longer right now. I actually haven't seen him in like a week, so it's probably completely different. So basically what Lucas has right now. Obviously the mustache. Yeah, he actually does. He sounds like he looks great. Yeah, he's a a drummer by heart. I mean, he's got a job now too, but, um, but yeah, he's a cool kid cool you guys you guys will hit it off I'll I'll hook you up next time he's in New York yeah link he lived us. there for a long time okay yeah I'm always ready to down to link with uh link up with another stash bro <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's it's all about the hair <laughs> um happy belated birthday fellow oh, Scorpio yeah Do something oh, fun as well soon or have as it, it was the day after okay, Halloween so I really like wait it. thank you are we all no Kimberly's not a Scorpio I was about to say we're like a whole panel of Scorpios because I'm also a Scorpio what a dangerous conversation Kimberly sorry <laughs> <laughs> should I just like log off now get, yeah. yeah I was about to say if you get too many Scorpios in a zoom you're automatically breaking the law you know you gotta watch <laughs> are you compatible with us Kimberly I don't even know I don't know my signs except Scorpio. I'm a Virgo so Virgo. that's um mm-hmm. what is that August uh september 1st almost Mm. yeah okay well happy uh very belated birthday to you oh thank you thank you uh, happy belated to you as well (laughs) the one thing that i learned on your wiki that i think is probably still accurate did you really start acting out of a out of a clerical error in college or something i did yeah it was i mean i was was a, a way back when but uh yeah i was like a hooligan in chicago growing up as a as a teen and I really just wasn't that into paperwork. 
uh, and I had sort yeah. of thought I applied to the school that I went to is kind of like a last second joke because I was convinced I was like Ivy League material all the way. And the Ivy League was like, no, no, no. <laughs> you never had a plan B. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, oh, shit. I guess it was a good thing. I applied like drunkenly online in the middle of the night, like, to, you know, it's like early online applications. And I was like, just clicking away. But I planned on being, I mean, I come from like a family of artists. So it always, you know, we're all in, in the arts in some form or fashion. And I thought I would be in cameras, like cinematography or like photography. And I You thought, are in cameras, I, sir. I know, I'm literally <laughs> inside cameras. But uh, I had thought that, uh, I, so I applied for film and media studies. And then I woke up to find that I've been accepted into performing arts. And I was like, ah, fuck it. The moments <laughs> that determine your life. <laughs> That's been weird. And as a kid, you just don't care. I mean, there are more mature, responsible young people out there. I shouldn't generalize them all to my level of like infantile idiocy. But uh, I was very much like, yeah, what's my, what's the future? I guess I'll do performing arts, you know, fuck it. And, um, and I ended up, I really, I really liked it. It was, I come from like a family of sort of loudmouth people. So it was like very, it suited me. It's fun. Yeah. I feel like this feel is like home. an alt, this is an alt uh, inspirational thing because it's like, you know, don't try too hard and you'll succeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just what like, you want to do is fuck up and... just enough. You want to make just the right level of mistake and then your life yeah, right. amazing. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I think that's good. <laughs> But yeah, you have a theater background, right? Like, like your yeah. family is is theater and novelists and things, right? Yeah, my dad's a writer, and my mom uh, taught theater arts to incarcerated youth for like forty years, mm. just about. And oh. so, I just grew up kind of like immersed in sort of like writing and literature and performing arts and. You know, it was like we would have like intense, heated arguments where we mostly agreed about everything you know we were like one of those families that would like have like screaming matches about like a movie we'd seen that we all like <laughs> just different degrees of liking it uh -huh. no he was the best character no the symbolism was amazing not excellent <laughs> amazing it was, good. it was good your family sounds amazing I would yeah that. We're, fun. we're a weird budge we're a very excitable budge my actual brother is visiting from california right now and he wants to go and see something on broadway on sunday do you have any recommendations? I'm going to see a Broadway play tonight, actually. I'm going to see Leopoldstadt, the Tom, the new Tom Stoppard play, which is uh, mm -hmm. apparently, according to my friend in the know, very sad. So oh, uh, I'm planning on, on crying a bunch, hopefully. Prepare thyself. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's a good play. I should be really stricken by the end of this evening. But yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to see it. I, I love it. Tom Stoppard's like, always been one of my favorite playwrights since I first yeah. like, read Arcadia a million years ago. Um, and I was in a production of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, like Ooh. way back in the day. <laughs> it was like, it was such a, he's such a fun writer. Uh, he, he's got such a love of language and he's so structurally interesting with his plays. Yeah. And so I'm really, I'm trying not to like, I, I try to stay away from like any kind of spoilerish sort of stuff. Like I try not to read reviews or anything, especially if, if I know I'm going to see something, be it movie, TV, or, you know, something live, I try to stay away from learning anything. So me too not pollute the experience you know for myself at least and then after i see it i read everything like after <laughs> i literally just like gorge on info but i'm really excited to see it tonight i i have a feeling he'll bring something pretty interesting to the table 
I would say you will have to let us know, but you have literally no social media. So. Yeah, no, I know. We'll never speak again, so <laughs> you enjoy your life. I don't know. I'm torn about it. I'm torn about not having social media, but for the most part, I think I, I like it. You know, I miss out on a lot of great memes. Yeah, yeah, true. Oh my God, you have a lot of great gifts. We have made a lot of gifts of your face. I want to get weird about it, but... <laughs> I met, yeah. Always like, what a what a great friend. This is the guy you want to have around. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody like Mr. Wee. Come on. Oh <laughs> they, uh, they used to, he was like his nickname, the nickname for Wheeler was called Wee Wee on set. Like, okay, <laughs> nice. Mr. Wee Wee. I was like, good. good. Wow. Did Eva come up with that? <laughs> Oh man, Ever's great. Ever's the best. She was um she was so when I when I was out in Toronto because I've known her for years. Um, mm. Hold uh, please, Ever Carradine. We we get confused between Ever. Oh wait, who and are we Ever talking Carradine. about? I think he's talking about Ever. Ever Carradine, yeah. Uh, oh she, yeah, I I I was talking about um, Ever Vives. Oh, it's all very confusing. Sorry, yeah, accent accent <laughs> translation issues. No, they were both great. Eva and Ever were both amazing. Um, when I was out in Toronto, they both were like, uh, gave me all the all the clues on where to go eat, all the nice little spots. Oh, yeah. That yeah. probably came from Ever Carradine, right? <laughs> where to eat. <laughs> yeah, no, where to eat is like the most essential part of any job. Or traveling anywhere. <laughs> you said you've known Ever for a long time? Yeah, I've known Ever for God. Uh, we met back me 12, 13 years ago, something like that. And nice. like, you know, we, we just run into each other in the weirdest little ways. And like, she found out I was doing the show. She was so excited. And she sent me a list of all the, the best places to get salads. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> really extraordinary salad. Yeah, no, it's great. I, was, awesome. I Believe me, I ate delicious salads the whole time I was there. And Aww. I was so grateful to her. Like, this is so good. Um, but yeah, she's, she's wonderful, lovely. And I mean, she does such great. She's so wonderfully unlikable in the show. I know. Yeah. But also sometimes she makes me feel sorry for her. Mm-hmm. Then you remember. I, I think like, that's oh. like one of the, like, uh, certainly something that I really liked about uh, reading sort of people's reactions to Serena's new arc. It sort of ties into the same thing with Ever where they, there's this, there are these characters who you, your instant first impression of them is like, you know, a, a sort of guttural hatred, you know, mm. where you're like just viscerally don't like certain characters. And then you spend all this time with them and you start to you start to see underneath the hood a little bit in certain places mm-hmm. and they become sort of victims real. in certain moments and real and they become you know they have these moments where they're under the thumb of something horrible and arbitrary and uh you suddenly have this like conflict of caring yeah it, yes. maybe it's not a conflict for everybody but you I, it was interesting to see people really struggle this season with how they felt about what Serena was going through. Yeah, yeah it's wild. Like, it's wild like, out there. Is it okay to like to care for her? To is feel bad. Okay to feel bad for her. Is it not okay to root ill? You know, like wish ill <laughs> upon her. Like there were people who were like rooting for like the ceremony or like things like that. It was really interesting to see these arguments online of people like being like, it's okay to to hate her for such and such reason or she's a fictional character and so it's cathartic to see that's that's what i hold on to (laughs) yeah it's it's cathartic to see her like like joffrey in game of thrones where you're like you know what god yeah how great was that that you know and go rewatch that after we finish here no you can't you can't rewatch that now 
I don't watch I don't watch Game of Thrones after the last season. Fuck that. I mean, yeah, Sorry. it was uh they really they uh they had some difficulty it up. the airplane, right? Yeah, landing the dragon was difficult for them. They had a lot of runway, but <laughs> yes. the, dragon, the dragon did not uh hit the ground running. But um yeah, I mean like it I, I was really I was honestly really it was something I spent a lot of time thinking about because I thought it was so interesting. Like that that the audience was in this moral like was mm-hmm. facing this moral mm-hmm. conundrum with this character in specific Serena because you know like that was the one that I, you know she's the one who I worked with the most yeah but it was really interesting to me and it made me think a lot too about like is there a moral quality to our relationship to fictional characters right like like is, what is the the sort of lateral space that we have to wish destruction upon like a a fictional individual right because they've done fictionally terrible things and we're like yeah fuck it they you know there's a it was a really it was interesting to see how heated people got about it like people like essays online about how upset that someone would ever wish that the ceremony upon anyone people being like why do you fucking care wait a minute you're not on social media where do you see this Oh, people send me like Eva. Eva. Eva will send me links to interesting things. <laughs> and so I have a I have a group of friends who like you know they they keep I have my spies out there who like send me <laughs> send me interesting things and I like reading about this. Your minions. Stuff. Yeah, my minions. Yeah. Well, you know, blah, 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 well blah, blah. the really interesting thing about Serena, though. All right, so more than half of the fan base, it seems, are rooting for her redemption, which I am not in mm-hmm. that component. However, they are all like they constantly say like. I, she and June need to take Gilead down, but nobody noticed that she never wanted to take Gilead down. She like every step, every chance she got, she chose Gilead, even when she was offered freedom in Canada. And she's not sorry. There's a really consistency to her character throughout all the seasons of always choosing what's best for her in a moment. Yes, for exactly. the most part, except maybe when she hands the baby to June. You know what I mean? When she hands Nicole to June at the right. at first escape. That's her one moment. Yeah. The one moment where she's like, this is that probably bad for Serena to do this. Yeah, this definitely. But it's a moment of like caring more about the baby than about herself. Right? It was her finest moment. Yeah, I, I would agree. And so, but other than that, I think almost throughout the, the course of the show, you see that she's like, every, every moment, the crossroads seems really reinforced by this drive to protect herself and protect her own interests and so sometimes that means making a moral choice and sometimes that means like being a total fucking piece of shit (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. i mean i think that's why like but that's why people get confused about it i think or, or feel like sorry for her because they they show her doing something kind of you know oh what she's doing something kind of good or moral and then you feel like you forget all the other stuff. It's like that she's being driven by her own self-serving. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I mean, this is a phrase that I've sort of learned in the past few years, but it's sort of become like a thing that I'm like, oh my God, this is just all the time. It's just recency bias, right? Yes, yes, like, right, exactly. Whatever the last thing somebody does is, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's mm-hmm. who they are. That's, you know, we sort of like re-rationalize their right. whole our whole understanding of something yeah into like whatever the most recent thing is and it's so crazy to like to be like that's a blind spot i'm sure i have or like i probably have certain opinions about things that are just because like it happened you know wednesday last week yeah <laughs> exactly you know and i think that's like uh it's difficult with these kinds of shows to sort of especially this show where it's like so much is said and unsaid at the same time 
Yeah. Yeah. You can accept the show on kind of a like a certain level of like characters say exactly what they're thinking and feeling, you know. And then on there's another level where there's like things that never get said. Right. right? Yeah. Very loudly there. Yeah, but are very loudly there. And like based on which sort of what you're giving more weight to in a given moment, it's like a very different kind of show. Because like what goes unsaid with Serena is like infinite right like you're not mm-hmm. ever really sure what's happening behind Yvonne's eyes like there's so much she's such a good she's actor. so good she's so good it was like wonderful working with her it was a blast yeah. she seems like a, a funny human being oh man dude she was told stories <laughs> <laughs> that's like yeah. the whole job just hearing oh. Yvonne's stories yeah man she, yeah. Was, she had some really funny like she has young kids and uh like she had some really funny pregnancy stories and like weird stuff that happened to her during pregnancy that were just like it was really funny. I don't know if it's my place to share that. That's her call. No, no uh, it's fine. But, uh, we'll get her on here one day. Yeah, but she's uh she's fantastic. And like I think part of the it's it's a, 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 to her credit that so many people find humanity in her. Yeah, it's definitely her fault, and I blame her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But that is, I think that's like a, a really important like thing in, in human life to sort of like deal with is encountering charismatic villains. Yeah. And encountering mm-hmm. depth. Because, you know, it's so easy, you know, when you have these sort of like paper mache, paper thin sort of like incarnations and iterations of evil to like be like, okay, well, that's evil. That's good. That's black. That's white. We understand yeah. it, what the fight should be. And now it's just like how, how it's going to play out. But when you have to spend a lot of time with people who are charismatic but doing bad things it really starts to get it's not having so much charisma yeah i mean i think charisma is like one of the most intoxicating and dangerous like qualities that human beings have right like because it's there it's an irrational ethereal substance right like it doesn't matter you know there's so many pop stars that are so like clearly just like shitty people shitty things but they're so magnetic right they're so intensely magnetic that we just can't people want to like them away we can't punish them we can't we can't ignore (laughs) them whatever our our moral obligation is as a society to react to that kind of behavior but like you know and and i think it's like really interesting to see it play out in this sort of safe space right like a tv show where it's not yeah not nothing yeah. really at stake in the same way except that we're like well, no i fucking love the show and that's what should happen no <laughs> you know? not redeemable god damn it yeah no yes. no i don't know she has to be caught <laughs> this sounds like us three like just arguing uh-huh. yeah yeah that's what we do no or discussing i should say discussing not discussing. Like debating, never debating heatedly right that, a passionate yeah. a passionate dialogue Mm-hmm. passionate's a good word for it yeah yeah <laughs> I, that's actually what Sorry. i'm sad about with commander lawrence this season i feel like they're trying to kind of two-dimensional villainize him and i'm sad because i liked i liked him being torn uh caring about sharon and stuff it's interesting because uh, like i know i talked to bradley a bit about it as well like his arc for the season and how he was sort of interpreting it and uh he had some really interesting takes and it was interesting to see it play out on the screen as well where you know like he's and I, I do, I do, this is, this is sort of my, my take on understanding where he's sort of gone as a character. Mm-hmm. But I think that like, when we first meet him, right, like, way back when 
he's in a sort of like lower he's been sort of like taken out of power yeah right? he's sort of eccentric old man that's yeah, yeah and he's sort of like on hey, the he's not old sorry and that yeah no the the very youthful uh supple bradley with uh, the the limber the limber lawrence oh my god right? <laughs> oh my gosh ah, Brad, brad's amazing but um you know i think like what you know when you're when he was in, existing in that sort of marginalized state when we first meet him being in that marginal area allows you like a greater freedom right like he can get uh -huh. it, it's understandable why he can get away saying certain things doing certain things because like it's like it feels like nobody really cares Okay. Yeah. Like he's like somehow powerful enough that people don't care, but powerless enough that it, people really people don't, don't care. care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, uh, but then over the course of the show, right, he's sort of become more of a center of gravity for Gilead, right? Like he's assumed more and more power. Right. Yeah. Oh, the commanders died. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like the assumption of power, the assumption of responsibility can change your relationship to certain things and, and can even transform your own self-identity self-identity in a way, mm -hmm. right? Like it's it's really terrible, right? But you, you put somebody in charge of the infantry and they're gonna want to win the war, right? Like right. their job, their purpose becomes different. And I yeah. think that like there is something understandable in that as he became more in charge of Gilead's future, that he started suddenly investing a lot more in certain outcomes that seem kind of contradictory to where he may have started previously like, yeah. like against him and like how all of a sudden now he's identifying with the success of gilead with the success with the success mm -hmm. of new bethlehem and he's right. assuming the responsibility of some of the carnage mm -hmm. that he's inspired over the years and so i think there there is something in like shit if it's gone this far i need to at least see it through otherwise what was the point and i think that that does read to me like that tracks to me of like yeah. you're like good money like there's you know like a pyrrhic right like the pure the idea of a pyrrhic victory where you mm -hmm. like win but you lot you you've suffered so many losses that is it even yeah. a victory at this right. point and that's and he's like in too deep <laughs> yeah he's yeah. in too deep it's like bad money after good at this point right you can't go back might as well go forward yeah and you can also become intoxicated with leadership right like the idea of being the successful leader and being the guy who the cleverest guy in the room right he's got that kind of enron cleverest guy in the room sort of energy of yeah. like i know better than everybody and i'm like you know because i can be glib that means that my ideas are somehow cut a little deeper and get to the yeah. the core of whatever the thing is a little bit faster but really you know he's just as he's not immune to the same you know ideas and poisons that the rest of us are suffer and endure which is just power right the, the right. intoxication of power the desire to be successful and the feeling of responsibility even if it's for a bad enterprise were you a fan of the uh the show lucas before you got the role uh honestly i i i hadn't watched a lot of it until i got the role and then i started being i was like you know i, I better study up and, <laughs> it uh, sounds like you've done a lot of study well, yeah the show is really good <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I, I was like you know started watching i was like then i sort of just became a fan and i was like oh man That's this cool. is good. <laughs> you know, I, I love the book and you know it was just like this is yeah. i think i think the thing that for me one of the reasons that i really fell in love with the show is just that it's really funny in a lot of yeah. places it is and I think it doesn't get especially with uh bradley the addition of bradley yeah i just think it doesn't get enough credit for how funny 
the shit because everybody's so aware that it's like, oh God, it's depressing be... and heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But the, the so much of the show is genuinely just very funny. And yeah. like like a dry sort of like side eye that's sort of happening constantly with everything. Especially with like how kind of like how hapless and pathetic the men are. And like even, you know, like Wheeler like finally in, in like uh, episode nine or whatever, where we, I, you know, I finally get a scene with Genevieve and like, yeah. you know, I make it like a dumb joke. That's our favorite gift. Yeah, it was fun. We were like working on that. I'm like, hey, you just like shoot me a death look after I say this. Yeah, thing. it's so good. <laughs> and you look suitably admonished and it's just great. From an, from an early point, me and Genevieve were having conversations about like the, the Wheeler dynamic. And I was like, he's terrified of her. He's actually, <laughs> like you know what I mean like he's a powerful guy but he's terrified of his wife I do Absolutely. I do know what you mean and when you see her in action you're like okay yeah she's she's different it's a really it's a great point though that they don't like ever they don't cross paths until like the end of the season yeah. like you mm -hmm. never yeah. see them together and it's like is he avoiding her <laughs> yeah I mean that was my take I'm like this guy is always in his office drinking just like <laughs> It's like, let's get the fire roaring and let's just stay in here. Stay by the fire, Ryan. Don't go in the big creepy house, you know. <laughs> stay safe. Call Ezra. Hang out with Ezra. Yo, did you fire Ezra for being, for being the worst bodyguard ever or what? You're like, you own, you own a little bit of this, Ryan. You know, <laughs> like, really, like, you're like, sure, go out with one guy. To the Fair middle bit. Of the you know, yeah, well, you know. But I do think he's like, why, what, what could, what would she possibly do, right? It's her, it's Serena. She's pregnant. I what mean, Serena? Why, yeah, I mean, but like, she's a, supposedly a fan of all this, right? She mm -hmm. supposedly hates June, and like, you know, from the from what Wheeler understands from his outside narrative, right? Like, he right. he doesn't know any of the actual history that these two women really share right in any depth right. and he's like ezra's like six foot eight and he's a giant <laughs> this little preggy lady is gonna be a dish come on i also enjoy yeah. that you put you had ezra wear a bulletproof vest and then you just sent serena out too so oh yeah yeah <laughs> good, good point that's a great point yeah the baby stopped the bullets right you know what i mean wow <laughs> those things are like bullet rubber do you think do you think that um that Mr. Wheeler let Serena go just because he kind of is like fascinated by her. Like what, it, what would his reasoning be for even like letting that happen? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw it as sort of like a, a layered, like there were a few different reasons at play, which is the one there's like in the show baked into the show's DNA is an inherent disbelief by the men that women are capable. Right. Yeah. Like that's a trope that plays out that. constantly where like against you know, as fan, as observers of the show or people who are a little more aware that women can do stuff, you know, you're like, this is a bad decision. She's obviously. <laughs> right. But in the show, right, there's, and this is true, you know, sadly in the world, right, there's just a lot of guys who just don't perceive women as threats ever right. because there's just this idea of how could a woman be dangerous to me? Right. Like how could right. for her like wiles, right? Like the the stereotypical sort of threat that a woman poses to those kinds of men, which is like mm -hmm. you know, something to do with her femininity or, or womanliness, right? Right. But you know, so I I, I you know, in the show's DNA, you're like, okay, well there, that reason exists, or he just is unable he has all a lot of the men, particularly in the, in this side of the line, right? Like on the 
the very heavily fundamentalist side uh, have a blind spot when it comes to like the capacity of women, right? Mm -hmm. Like both for good and bad, or just like anything, any kind of self-actualization. Right. And, and on top of that, I think he is a little overwhelmed by her and intoxicated by her celebrity. Yeah. And I think that like, he's, you know, this is a status driven culture and a right. society. And the fact that he has not only a pregnant woman, but like the face of Gilead, like the yeah. face of Gilead in his house. And she like, you know, he's been drinking. He's been, he's by the fire. He's, he's feeling himself a bit by the fire. And I'm like, you know, he really, there's an ego to it of being like, I want you to, I want to be able to bestow, you know, yeah, wanna, yeah. it's my power for you. I want to be like, no, you want right. to, okay. Yeah. It's like Waterford and June. He gave her things like that. To feel powerful. And then you're in, then she's in his debt then yeah, look because at these he gifts. gave her something. These gifts, these sort of transactional power displays. And so I yeah. think that, like that felt present to me, like that was a thing that I believed could be like an underlying reason. And then I think there's an element of just religiosity to it. Like she approaches him through the language of religion. And because, you know, like I'm figuring out who Wheeler is, I'm like, well, maybe he's like a true believer, right? Like, and he's not like, so often we've seen these sort of corruptible kind of fake guys, like, you know what I mean? Throughout mm -hmm. Gilead, these guys who put on the facade of religion right they give a shit about religion but right? it's really it's just about power it's just about yeah. power mm -hmm. and then i was like well we haven't encountered a guy yet who actually like a powerful guy who actually also maybe believed right like maybe not necessarily in the gilead power structure but mm -hmm. in the ideas like undergirding it right, right. Like mm -hmm. i'd actually really believe in this patriarchal setup he might really believe that this is god's desire and that, you know, like we are serving, there is a service happening in some way. And for him to, for her to approach him through this sort of very religious language, I was like, maybe he, like it appeals to his sense of religious community and religious service and religious sort of like, you know, this old testimony, sort of like bear witness to this yeah. eye for an eye, this Babylonian sort of thing right? Where I, I'm going to take out the woman who hurt you. I understand. Like in this, if I'm King Solomon and you're talking to the king here, I understand that you're the one who's been wronged by this character that I've sentenced to death. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I understand that you would want to, there's some sort of biblical quality to bearing witness that I think could speak to him. And yeah. So that line really felt like a turning moment in that conversation when she said that to him. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the, those things of like wanting to impress her, being a little drunk, also being extremely <laughs> religious, you know, like also like not feeling disconnected from his wife in some way where I'm like, here's this other woman who is, you know, attractive, about the same, like, you know, like you're in my demo, right? Like of like, yeah. <laughs> would see her as a as a possibility like in another universe would see her as a possibility right? right and so i think this idea of like wanting to impress her of wanting to show his power to her uh and also of yeah not believing that there's any real threat it's really interesting how a lot of that is is qualities that fred waterford had but mm -hmm. played in a completely different way yeah. like it's such a different like character but a lot of the same like undercurrent so his reasoning behind things 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like I thought about that too because I was like, okay, there's so many parallels here, obviously, that are being drawn. Um, but for me, like, there's something that I was like hoping that I could give him was like a little bit more self awareness, and a Yeah. little like like he's not gonna play the game, like he's not as lost in the sauce as Waterford is Yeah. with June. The role playing. Yeah, yeah, like June has him like wrapped around her finger pretty quickly, All like right. once he understands how easy it is to like appeal to his ego. And I was like, okay, so like, you know, he possesses some of that, but he also has the ability to like, like, You I saw don't, through her. Yeah. He yeah, saw through her when he walked, when she walked in and started yeah, like, you know, I liked that a lot. mm -hmm. and that was Bradley too, just Bradley being like, you know, I th he, it's a, like, he sees her differently now, like it's a different thing at this point, but so there's sort of a, a nice little like transformation for the, their sort of relationship, even these brief little beats, but yeah, Mm -hmm. so I, I definitely wanted to offer him a little bit more self-awareness than a lot of the men possess in Yeah. Gilead, and then a little bit more of this internal watchfulness Yeah. of like, where things are just like the, like a lot of the characters, a lot of the male characters are watching themselves constantly and they're not really seeing the women in front of them. Like you can feel Never. like this veil of self Yeah. sort of like hiding the, the actual truth of the women from these men's view. Right. Right. I can't really see who they are. And so I was like, oh, he's going to be less, like there's less of a veil for him. Like he's going to be very watchful and very like just constantly watching, you know, and seeing what he can Yeah. learn as he's going through. But it was suffering some of the same delusions because we all suffer the same delusions. But that the idea that he's going to be a watchful character, which I think is always like those kinds of characters are always very interesting to me. Yeah, no, I loved, I loved it. What do you think Mr. Wheeler's uh, drink of choice is? I mean, definitely a bourbon. <laughs> definitely Mm, like a, okay. like a, a fiery bourbon. Yeah, a brown liquor for sure. <laughs> Uh, he's up in Canada. It gets cold up there. Where did the Wheelers even uh, meet, do you think? How did they fall in love? I can't picture this. I mean, I assumed it was some sort of like, you know, where all those, it's where all the rich people sort of meet. It's some sort of yachting event or, Yeah. you know, some, uh, probably a philanthropic event. Right. You know, <laughs> mm, like you, yeah. where uh, like the Sacklers wash their opioid money, philanthropic. If it's. Yeah. You know, and like there's a Coke, there's like a Coke, you know, the Coke brothers own pieces of the Lincoln Center and they, they love putting their names on beautiful things, you know, and like it's just I, I would imagine that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were at some like, you know, event for lost ponies or something like that, you know, that's <laughs> nice uh that's huh. lovely You know, like uh, yeah horses, I like the specifics of yeah, that retired, retired horses, retired from dressage. there's actually a farm near here in Philly called the can't remember it's a very dramatic name for retired horses I'll have to remember it later I love it though Okay, yeah, but yeah, I feel like they would, you know, like the kind of thing that a rich person would really care about, you know, like yeah uh, exactly uh, making sure that you know, like certain beaches stay clean or something like that, you know, like our beaches specifically, you know. <laughs> near Hampton's beaches the Wheeler Cove you know cleaning up the Wheeler Cove we met uh scrubbing oil off off of rose quartz in the cave of Wheeler's Cove wow <laughs> I would watch that that's the story from now on that or it was like a church thing right we're two powerful families probably at the same church I would imagine her family's less powerful than mine and so because of the way and, and this is just me reading this 
but like the way she flexes power to me is like the way people who are are new to power sort of have sort of insecurity about it and need to like flex it and swing it around and wield it constantly and right so i feel like she's married into this very into a performance of a kind like yeah. she's like oh this is who i am now this is my identity is this powerful like this. yeah so this is the right and the way she talks to the serena constantly right this is what the duties are these are the responsibilities and she's so excited like the you know she's so excited about talking about gilead and the way things ought to be uh-huh. and i think that she's very bought into this like performance of like rich gileadness so that to me suggests that like you know she comes from probably money as well but less money you know yeah. we could have met like we could have been the two most powerful families at like the local mega church or whatever <laughs> yeah i was thinking of mega church <laughs> so we're on the same page mm-hmm. yeah, Fun. exactly exactly <laughs> they're like taking over the world right now so yeah, yeah they are really, like, yeah i've heard oh, that rise yeah. me to god yeah the mega church that was so bad <laughs> that was good mm-hmm. maybe you should like audition for like some australian roles you guys yes. have really fun tv you guys have great like your indie tv or your abc or whatever it is the, the channel. abc yeah yeah abc has a really good i feel like really good comedies yeah. do you like do you know what kath and kim is oh my god yeah it's the best we tried to ruin it with an american version several years yeah ago. i know i know that was a bad we tend to do that yeah we succeeded pretty extensively <laughs> But the original is so fucking funny, man. It's great. That that and Abfab are like you're the best. You know what I mean? Oh my wait. Have you oh seen God. Muriel's wedding? Of course. Of course. Okay, this is what I'm always saying. Your camera really quotes it all the time. <laughs> Why haven't I watched it? I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, you watch need it to watch weekend. it. It's got Tony Collette in it. It's funny. Oh, I love her. I don't I fear we didn't tell you that we have friends watching in the upside down, and that might be some we might be breaking some law in New York. Oh, really? No, by not telling you, you're being watched. And I think we wrote it in the now. email, though. Okay, uh, to Ari. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. I, uh, I definitely read the email. I'm sure you, totally I'm sure did. you did. <laughs> uh, Ari hopefully read the email. Well, I, hope, uh, be... I hope all you silent weirdos out there are enjoying this. Uh... You're going to meet them. <laughs> They're going to come ask you a question each if you can hang out for yeah, a little longer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. While we wait, do you have any pets? I do. I have my dog Ivy, who's uh, she's like a hundred percent gremlin. Uh, oh, she's nice. sleeping that direction right now. On, a, on my, she's uh, shedding as much hair as she can. On, on what my... what breed is the gremlin? Uh, she's like every terrier they could scrape out of a gutter. Oh, um, right. Okay, but gotcha. like I think there's there's like some Schnauzer. She's got kind oh. of a longish back, so maybe some Dachshund. Uh, she's got some very Chihuahua energy. You haven't sprung for the DNA test? No, I mean those are all lies. They're all lies. I know. I, no I did it, that. and it was such a lie. They're like, they're like, send us a picture. Send us several pictures, and you could just tell they're like, <laughs> um, Dalmatian. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's a pigeon, mostly pigeon. I yeah, fuck it. You know, last <laughs> your dog is lasting. Congratulations. And a German Shepherd Mutt, and it was like Bernese Mountain Dog and King Charles Spaniel. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> that is not, not true. That's not possible. <laughs> You're liars. You're liars. But you have my exactly. money. So well done. Right. Yeah. Knew it was going to happen. Tina. Sorry. This is Tina. Hi. Hi, Tina. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, so, my question is if uh, Mr. Wheeler were ever to become a commander in Gilead, what kind of commander do you think you'd be? Like, 
you think you would have been a Jezebel's guy or a rule follower <laughs> or like somewhere in between? No, I don't, I don't think he'd be a Jezebel's guy. I think he'd be okay. scarily like, like very, uh, I think he'd be scary because I think he would play by the rules very closely. And like, I think he would try to, he'd be rising in the ranks and I think he would be pretty militant, pretty ruthlessly militant based on how he uses his, his sort of no man land guy and how like, I could see him working with Lawrence because there's sort of a transactional capitalist quality to him where he sort of sells these people back to the, to new back, you know, back to Gilead. So yeah. I think bounty hunters, I think he would be interested. I think he would work with Lawrence to establishing relations with like trade relations with other countries and getting this. Yeah. But I think he would be a bit more puritanical in the way he punished people than Lawrence. I think he'd be. Kind Ooh. Of, yeah. Would you try to put an end to Jezebel's or shame the men? I think, yeah, I mean, I could see, well, this is what would happen is Alanis would find out about it. And then I would be very, <laughs> I would be like, I would never. <laughs> I just sit in my study with my bourbon by the fire. I would. Uh, you're like, listen, babe, listen, we're going to burn them all. We're going to burn, we're going to burn every one of them. Okay? <laughs> I love you. I love you. I've never even, Jesuit, what? What is it called? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a thing? I've never heard of it. We'll kill him though. We'll kill him. I promise, babe. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So fun. It's amazing. Yeah. Yulia, are Thank you out you. there? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Tina. I am. I'm here. Hi, Yulia. Missed Can you, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Yulia. Hi, Lucas. Um, thank you for answering questions of all of us. And, all, and the weirdos who just <laughs> watched you. Um, you already touched on this subject a little. I wanted to ask again. So um, Alanis um, said her husband doesn't answer to the commanders of Gilead. So I was wondering, what's his role, essentially? You, you said, like, he has, he has generational wealth, so that he's mm -hmm. probably not doing a kind of a normal job. But, like, he has, he has this big mansion, secluded area with militia. <laughs> and what's yeah. the deal with I think he sort of sees himself as like the the vanguard of, of and I mean, I think this is probably a lot of guys sort of see this, the vanguard of, of a Gilead-style society in Canada, right? But I think he rec he would not want to be, as a person who like grows up with power, like you see like Jared Kushner, I think is like a great kind of like mm. prototype for like, yeah. you know, Wheeler, like I, I saw a lot of comparisons to Paul Ryan, which I was like, this is not flattering, but uh, accurate. It's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> like that robot, but uh, that fucking cyborg. But um, no, I was like, yeah, it makes sense to me. Uh, I think like Jared Kushner is a guy who like cannot be subordinate, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like a guy who is so used to being the center of power within his universe outside of uh, a certain Alanis, but uh, that he would very, would not be one who would like fit into, would not want to take a lower rung on like the, the ladder in Gilead. So I think like he's playing long. I think he believe. I think honestly, he thinks he's more of a true believer in, in what they preach than what they are. Like, I think he sees, like, he's not an idiot. And I think he sees the fallacies and the sort of the low level corruption and like incompetency, like the way he talks about they were unable to take care of June, but I will, and then he immediately fucks up. But like, <laughs> it's about his self-perception versus like his actual qualities. 
right? Like the way he perceives of himself is as a guy in charge. Mm-hmm. So I think that even if he's working with Gilead, he wouldn't feel beholden to them unless it, he felt it was serving his purposes. And so I see him as sort of like establishing a new Canadian order with himself at the top. You know what I mean? Or at the very least, the power behind the throne. But I could see him, yeah, working with the command, you know, like I could see him teaming up and, and become, if he were to join the commanders, I think, and become a commander, I think he would want to be right there at the seat of power. Maybe just like either parallel to Lawrence or like maybe just below him, or there's always a slight friction between those two guys as to who is actually sort of steering the ship. So do you think he receives any benefits already from Gilead? Like, I don't know. I think, I think there's information, right? Information mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in war, right? Like, because a lot of this is starting to take on the quality of like, It's like the, if you've ever watched like a World War I movie or like even World War II at the very beginning when you start to see like the espionage, that there's this, the information is so important to these sorts of people in these sorts of really volatile, dangerous situations, right? Like relationships and information. And I feel like he is benefiting substantially by the information Gilead is giving him and that he's Mm -hmm. giving back to Gilead. And I think that like, you know, also Serena, right? Like Serena is this enormous poker chip and her baby. It's this enormous, enormous poker chip in the in sort of like his status and and his like their level of awareness of what Wheeler is doing, like the commanders, right? Like they've obviously had an existing relationship with him for a while because he's been returning people across the border. Yeah. And so, but all of a sudden, like it's very different to just be sending, you know, uh, not to diminish uh, these people, but the schmoes back and to have somebody of like a real household name kind of quality. And so I think he is ambitious and understands power, like understand inherently understands what makes for power. And so I think it's like my, my guess would be that there's mm-hmm. a lot of information for when and how to destroy the Canadian government and replace it, you know. Wow, grand scheme. That'd be my little theory. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Great question. I hope I answered it. I don't know. You did. Rachel? Hi, I'm Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Thank you, Lucas, for uh, talking to us today. Okay, so this is doubly exciting for me because I was a big fan of Raising Hope. It was even a rewatch binge for me during the pandemic, so it's still fresh in my mind. (laughs) <laughs> so I, yeah. I wanted to ask you a crossover handmaid's tale raising hope question <laughs> for sure i for even sure. noted this is not the question but i even noted there is a creepy uh parallel of taking a baby to an execution between yeah. both shows <laughs> that is a really i'm probably the only actor alive who's had to do that several times yeah. <laughs> babies to an execution that's my thing that's you don't see my it thing. often so uh-huh. Okay, so my question is, who would you rather babysit your baby, hypothetical baby, Jimmy Chance from the pilot of Raising Hope, because he was still learning. Yeah, I mean. Working out the kinks. Yeah, yeah, a lot of of spaces in that boy. (laughs) Or Alanis Wheeler. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. 100% Jimmy. I mean, I, come on. I've seen what a lot is capable of. I don't want a baby near that lady. I mean, I, you know, I think like, hmm. It's actually a trickier question. That's a tricky question because Alanis, I feel like 
a baby doesn't see how horrible she is. And she's probably making sure the baby is fed and fairly okay. Whereas Jimmy, she she did she did use the cry it out method with a newborn baby for sure for sure <laughs> yeah you know like whatever your thoughts on self soothing are it's it's a uh, it's difficult for the baby absolutely but Jimmy <laughs> potentially could put the baby inside of a garbage compactor or something like that you know what I mean like there's a chance he'll accidentally leave it like inside of a car hood you know what I mean or on top of a moving bus so there's like certain levels of accidental risk. That would come right. With him, right like you know he's like oh i put her down uh, right by the wolf exhibit at the zoo you know like <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no 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 whereas alanis you're just like she's just like a low level not even low level but just a certain uh, level of like oblivious meanness you know which is <laughs> damaging but not necessarily deadly you know like like True. the baby's crying but it's not getting eaten by a pack of loose feral badgers in like the chance house you know so that's like pluses it's diff it's a difficult oh. You know, you kind of yeah. have to decide what risks are acceptable for for your baby. You know, I, I will mean, say, I I'll give Jimmy some credit. I feel, I feel like he made a lot of mistakes, but his heart was in the right place. He was, oh, he was absolutely. trying, absolutely. and I felt like Alanis was pretty cruel. <laughs> so no, yeah, at the, at the end of the day, would you rather have like a, a certain level of cruel, cruel competency, or like a a, a really loving idiot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> like that's I guess that's the question right you're like you know that's right he's good stupid better than uh mean mean competence mm -hmm. yeah I I think I would pick Jimmy because generally by the end of the episode uh the baby was okay they figured it out uh, right whereas like in handmaids what we've learned is is that no one is okay ever <laughs> it's always never gonna be okay exactly so I'll I'll pick Jimmy yeah <laughs> thank you so much absolutely no thank you Hi, Lucas. I'm Ginger. Hey, Ginger. I am a fellow Scorpio, so there's now four of us on the no, screen. Yo, yo, oh, oh, watch out, man. I'm the only one here. No. Yeah, that's pretty overwhelming for you, Kimberly. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I should apologize for that, Kimberly. Uh, does that mean are you a happy belated or happy almost? Belated, but the last Saturday was my birthday. Oh, happy belated birthday. I hope you had a good one. <laughs> Thank you. So my question is, um, if Mr. Wheeler had the chance, do you think he would actually join forces with the commanders of Gilead and essentially become one of them like moving there? Or do you think he enjoys being in Canada and towing the line and having power without actually having to fully immerse himself in that world? I don't know that he would move to Gilead because I think that's like his power is located in Toronto. I think he would join forces. I think he would if it were, if it were in his best interest, right? Like if that was like the smartest move, I don't think he's the kind of guy who would like rule anything out. You know, like I think he's mm -hmm. very, he, he is in his own mind very calculated whether or not the decisions end up being wise decisions i think that he he is someone that if it, if it made sense he would absolutely join up with the commanders i think he would be like i'm getting a special cloak i'm getting a, a brighter like a better cape than the rest of you i'm gonna get a bigger hat you know <laughs> like my hair product will be shinier my hair will be flatter you know like i think there's like he he would demand certain certain like i think he would need to be like we discussed earlier, like he would need to be at the top. Like, I don't think he would join um, and be a mid-level or just any other, any old commander. Like, I think he would have to yeah. be somebody that the other commanders were kind of afraid of. Like, I think that would, it would, it would, he would find it difficult to, I think, participate. And I think also there's like a Lady Macbeth kind of quality to Alanis. And I don't know that she would accept 
a lower, like feeling lower status in any way. And I think he's very motivated by keeping a, a, the happy wife, happy life situation. So like, it, 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 you know, there'd be some long conversations uh, with Alanis talking and him listening. I like that you mentioned capes. I feel like capes are what's missing in this show. Right, a nice, beautiful cape. I yeah. thought so. <laughs> bring, bring, bring a cape to season six, please. Like, uh -huh. like a one, like a really great cane and a cape and maybe an yes. iPad. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, That'd be a you know, Janine's iPad. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Silk, made out of silk. Yes, or velvet yeah, exactly. or something. Yeah, lots Ooh, of eagles, you know, and eyes like just embroidered <laughs> everywhere. Badges, like a whole array of badges. Best boy badge, nice shoulder <laughs> badge. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of like made up, made up awards that he's made up for himself. We interviewed Leslie, costume designer Leslie, oh, and I'm yeah. I'm totally gonna forward all these ideas to her when we get. Yeah, oh, please. I yeah. mean, we had so much fun, man. She was having a blast, like picking out different suits for me because she's like, uh, there's like certain man we we didn't get to use all of them but some of the clothes she pulled for for me were just beautiful like there were some pat mm -hmm. like some freaky suits where the patterns were just like unbelievable and so fun and like she got to be a little bit more playful with his suits mm -hmm. uh and a little bit more fancy with his suits compared to some of the suits in gilead which was yeah like, i mean i yeah i was like oh, these suits are fucking great this is nice <laughs> But yeah, color I want to cape, 100%. I mean, the clothes are amazing on that show. Like the production level in general mm -hmm. is uh, one of the best parts of working on it is that everybody mm -hmm. is really, one, really good at what they do, but also really trying, you know, always to be like, okay, yeah. what's, and you feel that on set. Like everybody's like, okay, how do we make this better? How do, what's the best version of this that we can do from, from costume, Leslie and, you know, wardrobe all the way to on set with Nick and uh, Nikki at like the DP and every actor, like, you know, Yvonne was really having, you know, like really thoughtful conversations. You know, the directors are all are really intensely focused and like bringing their A game. But at the same time, it's a really fun for as heavy as the show is, the experience of making it is really wonderful. Like everybody's so I don't know, Canadian, nice. It's like everybody there is just like really good at their jobs, but also really like lovely. And so it was just like, a, you know, every, it's just a great experience, honestly. Yeah. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you actually, how easy was it to slot right in? But it sounds like it was very easy. Well, they were really helpful. They were really super helpful. Like, you know, I like to go to sets early. Um, if I'm joining a set, right, that's already in motion. Like I like if I can go there like for a day or a half a day and just sort of observe how people work and sort of the onset dynamic and sort of see how uh, the feng shui of everything, like you're like, okay, mm -hmm. this is the volume we all speak at here, uh, quiet, uh, you know, and like, uh, but there's like a lot of, you can sort of sort of get a vibe for the best way to sort of seamlessly kind of fit in and contribute, you know, mm -hmm. and so they were so understanding and so uh supportive and communicative like they all reached out and wanted to do everything they could to help the performance and help me you know feel a part of it it was it was like a, a dream scenario for an actor really i mean the whole show is honestly yeah it sounds like it um yeah i dug it <laughs> it's, it's like you get to the second they call action you're an awful horrible evil slime bag and then afterwards you're like man this is so great this is so everybody's so nice you know so it's a, it's a joy it's a real joy getting to work on uh, sets like that mm -hmm. 
Helen, do you wanna ask your question? Yeah, oh, hi, Lucas. Thank you for okay. coming to talk to us. Of course. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, do you think uh, Ryan had anything to do with June's assassination attempts in the both episodes that we've seen? I feel like it's definitely possible. You know, okay. I feel like there's a certain thing, but I also, it's tough because I feel like he could have been involved in a, like, he, I, I would believe that he was having discussions about her and they were, that there might be multiple assassination attempts in process, right? Like there's things, if you, if you really like believe in the universe, right? Like you really sort of believe in that there are things that we don't see and things happening in between the, the what we are allowed to witness as audience members. It's like, you would imagine that he's in conversation with, with the commanders about mm -hmm. June and being like, okay, and, and with his own people as well. And being like, it, what is the best solution for this situation? Right now, whether or not it's his gunman that fires mm -hmm. the bullets, you know, it, that's a harder question to answer, but certainly it's possible. It's very possible. And I would imagine mm -hmm. that he is involved in some sort of conspiracy, active conspiracy to take her out and to take out a number of targets. Yeah, this is uh, why we actually suspect a little bit that he might have had something to do with it. So it's great to hear. Thank you so much. Absolutely, of course. So one question that we asked, well, I don't know if we asked Genevieve or not, or she volunteered the information, I can't remember. What's the wheeler's um, dynamic like in the bedroom? I'm interested to hear, <laughs> yeah. to hear uh, your yeah. answer. Genevieve, Genevieve, I feel like I know Genevieve's answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I think I'm turning red here. Um, I can see. Yeah. Uh, I can <laughs> <laughs> I think the Wheeler's dynamic is uh, enthusi enthusiastic and um, persevering, you know? I, uh, <laughs> persevering. That's I, good. <laughs> I think, you know, she talked uh, that she, she, Alanis definitely reveres her husband. And uh, based on conversations I've had with Alanis, um, Genevieve, uh, I think she sees, uh, like she's very eager to play, I think certain stereotypical gender dynamics and gender roles within, within the bedroom. And mm -hmm. I think Wheeler happily, enthusiastically, and uh, with great determination tries to do what his wife wants. <laughs> okay. You know, the best, of, the best of his ability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think uh, probably he doesn't like to say no to her too often. Yeah, I don't think that would be a good idea. Yeah, however that is, however that needs to be uh, interpolated. It checks out. Yeah. Genevieve was a bit more... Uh... Specific and vivid. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think um... the way... <laughs> There was an interview where you both answered the same questions and it was funny how different the answers were. Yeah, that was one of the first things we, like our, one of our first interactions, we had to do this photo shoot. Oh yeah. We were talking about the character and immediately, like we realized that we had very different opinions about like, yeah. she's like, oh, you know, Mrs. Wheeler likes to obey. And I was like, 
Interesting, interesting. Because I think <laughs> Mr. Wheeler is fucking terrified of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that kind of the, the fact that you have different answers almost like works for the relationship no, between them too, though, because it's like they they have different viewpoints of their relationship with each other. You know what I mean? No, I actually thought it was really great. That's like, I great. Think, you know, I yeah. think in general, like I think like the idea that we all have to agree on the same motivations as actors is like kind of not true to life. Right, you know, yeah, totally. I mean? Cog- yeah. cognitive dissonance is something that it is in most relationships, right? Right, to some degree, and it would make sense that in this relationship, there's a pretty like substantial, significant amount of like dissonance. Totally. Right? Even if it's you know, it, even if it manages to seem even keel or or war or be sustained for various <laughs> reasons, like there, there's a a lot of friction and dissonance. I would I would feel at least internally. Right. Talking to Eva, but I'll say Eva Vives this time so we don't get confused, about a fun story about you two walking in the cold outside the Wheeler's house. Oh, wait. I'm like desperately racking my brain here. It was cold. Oh, wait. Is there a town named Kitchen? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I know what we're talking about. There is a town we're staying at. (laughs) And uh, every restaurant in town closes at 4.30 p.m. or something like that. Oh. We finished serving dinner at uh, 4.47 so sorry and we were like what the fuck <laughs> what is this town how does this work is this like is this, is this some like weird like vampire town or some shit <laughs> can we eat dinner after dark like what the what is happening uh so we were just like wandering forlornly through this small town being like you guys hope no <laughs> you know like seven it's seven o'clock how is it how are you shut for dinner uh but then um we found a pizza place nice pizza, pizza always comes through yeah we had some and we uh really we got fucked up on some spicy olive oil that we didn't know was super spicy and we were just the like drenching, yeah we were just like drenching the pizza <laughs> oil, and we were saying, hey, <laughs> no, no. oh no it's so spicy Eva. <laughs> we were just sort of drooling at each other for uh for a meal it was nice see good story we got there we did we i'm sorry about that it took a moment. It took a moment to remember. Yeah, we were, we were both so like, we didn't understand, you know, because we both like, you know, we're both from, she spent a long time in New York. I'm in New York. We're just, everything is open all the time, right? Around like, the clock, yeah. Yeah. So you're just like, what do you mean you're closed? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It's not possible. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it felt like a 90s, like, kind of like the comedy movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> city folk or in small town Canada. But you're like, what the fuck? You, what, do you, what do you mean this place only serves moose at night? What? <laughs> Get out of here. The only place open is the Maple Syrup Emporium? No. <laughs> but you have to eat maple syrup. Everything, everything, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. Everything shut down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got good accents. <laughs> That's really good too. Yeah. Gotta get some roles. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. More I your can, accents. Uh huh. I can. I can do silly voices uh, badly about any place in the world. Oh shit! Because you did voice work too. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do a fair amount of cartoons. I had to do a cartoon the other week where I had to play like a, a six-year-old boy, and it was very. <laughs> Well, you know, just like doing my thing. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I cannot do that. It was some really, it was like one of the, like, there's so many bizarre things about my, my vocation, but there's like, <laughs> they already, like normally when you record a cartoon, uh, you know, you're recording it and then they animate to your performance because they're capturing like little things. Mm. 
but then yeah. at a certain point they have to animate it but then they realize they're like oh shit, we need a different line here we need something <laughs> like this so i had to watch this montage of like this boy singing about all the fun he's having with his hamster like a hamster <laughs> and a boy, kind of like musical montage in this very silly cartoon and uh like i had to like add laughter to i had to watch the montage and then like, <laughs> like based on how they had animated his mouth like figure out like what kind of laughter uh oh you know just doing all this sort of like and they were so like good. at the end of it they're like that's great lucas could we have a little more closed mouth laughing in the next one <laughs> absolutely guys i'm so sorry you know, show me your closed mouth laughter <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's That's all, it's all unsettling. <laughs> yeah, watching a voiceover actor make sounds is one of the creepiest things you'll ever see. I went to a Simpsons a long time ago, and like seeing like the Simpsons voices come out of like human bodies is uh, honestly just really, really strange. It's really strange. <laughs> it's not, that woman is Millhouse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, super nice. They're all amazing people, but it was just like it's a very. I always tell it ruin Simpsons for you. Ah, uh, no, no. I mean, it can never be I ruined. Mean, yeah, that's it. Holds a a gold a golden spot in my heart. You know, they 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 educated me. Do you still watch it though? How is it still on? I love it, but I haven't. I watched haven't, it I haven't watched so in a while. Yeah. Wait, it's still going. It's oh, still yeah. going. It's like what thirty seasons in or something crazy like. I think Bart has been on the air longer than like Marge was like what's crazy is Marge and Homer were like 32 and 34 respectively. <laughs> like that's how old they're supposed to be. <laughs> I remember this from like Simpsons books I read as a child. You got like trivia information about TV shows through books. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> like yeah, try it. Yeah, you're like, oh god, I'm old. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I, they're 32 and 34, which is just staggering to think about. It really <laughs> is. 34 seasons i just look yeah you're like bart is now older than marge just based on airtime <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it's a really interesting thing but whenever people ask me to do voices i'm normally like you don't want to you don't want to see this face make those sounds it's gonna really <laughs> be pleasant for you it's gonna be very strange and alienating uh we enjoyed it that was impressive. yeah i'm happy to do it for you i'm happy to alienate you guys anytime anytime awesome. <laughs> Oh yeah, great, great podcast, guys. I've listened to some episodes, and you guys are great. Really, thank you, thank you so much. You guys are so thoughtful, so thoughtful, and so uh, so analytical. And and, and well, you do put a lot of too much thought into this. You're correct. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of too much. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for this. This is amazing. We had so much fun. Sorry for running so long, but uh, this is delightful. No, it's so great talking to you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Hope you enjoy the show tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I hope I, I am, uh, you know, uh, devastated. Uh, get my money's worth. <laughs> we hope you're devastated too. <laughs> when will the show come out that you're doing now? Uh, I think, you know, I actually have no idea. Uh, sometime next year, I would guess. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for all the raising projects in the future. We expect to see you on all of them. Yeah. If anything is a, a, arisen in a state of arisingness. Uh, <laughs> I'll be nearby for you sure. Be there. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Bye.